Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, continuing in the Mayfield Matrix, the options that the Browns could entertain with their quarterback situation for 2022. We've covered just going all in with Baker Mayfield. We've covered what if you bring in a veteran. And this podcast, we're going to talk about what if you draft somebody. And the model for that is what the Philadelphia Eagles did when they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round as Carson Wentz was entering his fifth year a couple years ago. Doug Maurice, Scott Patsko, Mary Kay Cabot, Dan Lobby, and Ashley Bastock. Who thinks there are pros? What are the possible pros to the idea of Baker's the guy in 2022, and and I, I'll be clear here. I am not really talking about drafting a quarterback in the first round, um, but I'm not talking about, like, fifth round. The, the way that I'm thinking of it is really the Hurts example, which to me is, like, second or third round, which is not a shot in the dark, but not like, hey, we're taking the guy in the first round, and he's going to be our quarterback for sure. It's a guy with some upside who you think could be a starter in the NFL, but it's not the full-throated commitment that you would give to a first-round pick. So if anybody else was to look at it a different way, that's fine. That's how I'm kind of framing it with the Hurts example. What are the pros to maybe the Browns entertaining that? You know, I think it's hard enough to try to, to nail a quarterback in the first round of the draft let alone trying to find one in the second round or the third round. I think that's very difficult. And I don't think they need to half solve this problem. And you can get a really good receiver in the second round. You can get some other starting player in the third round. So I, if they are going to draft a quarterback at some point, this is not a good year for first round quarterbacks. I am not in favor of taking a, a flyer, on a Deshaun Kaiser in the second round or, or something like that. I I don't think uh, that that's the way to go. I think that you have to uh, find an amazing quarterback that if you think that's the way you want to go, I think you have to look down the road a couple of years at who's coming up uh, through the college ranks and find, see if there's somebody next year that you can get your hands on or somebody the year after. I don't think this is the year to try to do that. And uh, you don't want to be spinning your wheels. Uh, so, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with you know, taking a young guy, you know, in a late, late round and trying to develop him and put him on the practice squad and things like that. But to see if you can just find some somebody in the second or third round, I, I don't know. I, I don't like that idea. I would rather uh, get one of the best quarterbacks you can find in the first round, 
when there's a good, solid QB crop. So those are the pros. Uh, yeah, that was Why the pro the or kick Browns? I'll let me, I, I'll say, I will say I, I do agree with Mary Kay in that this is not my favorite idea of all the ideas we're discussing for all the reasons Mary Kay so nicely laid out. In theory, though, for me, the pros are this isn't super, super, super high risk. Now, the reasons that I don't like it are because I do think the Browns have some more pressing needs that they could address in the draft. But, you know, Doug, like we've we've talked about this. This isn't talking about like the Browns taking Kenny Pickett and banking on the fact that Kenny Pickett is the guy in a couple of years. This would be like a possibility. I know we'll get to all the names um, later on, but if you're talking about a guy like Malik Willis from Liberty, for example, who I know is a name that's going to come up, like it's, it gives you some leeway because there's not so much expectation as opposed to all these years we've gone through with the Browns where they're using a first round pick on a quarterback. Um, so overall, I just think there's some, some security there, I guess some, not as much pressure if this doesn't work out. And obviously Baker Mayfield's still here. It allows you to keep that argument of, He's our guy still, um, kind of like we talked about with the Marcus Mariota model, Jameis Winston model there. Um, so I think those are kind of the pros in theory of this idea for me. Now, whether that works out in, you know, in a practicality, I don't know. But that would be my biggest pros, I think. The, the, pro, the pro is that you're investing in the quarterback position. Like, do you remember, you remember that Seth Weckersham uh, ESPN story back in 2019 where he talked about all the dysfunction in the Haslam's front office. One of the things that came out of that was uh, this Brown's guardrails, uh, kind of like a mission statement for the team. And it has also, you can find it on online if you Google Brown's guardrails. Uh, a lot of people wrote about it, uh, but it's kind of like this broken down sheet of different things that they want to focus on different areas of the other of front office, different things from draft to acquiring people. There's a deep Podesta quote at the top. Um, Andrew Barry obviously was here uh, probably when this was, was drafted. But one of the things on there at the very top is keep investing in the quarterback. And the Browns really haven't done that since they drafted Baker Mayfield. Um, ideally, they would have drafted a quarterback last year. You know, this is one of the things that you always heard from Ron Wolf. It's like always draft a quarterback. And that really worked for him. Like I, I actually, I went back and looked it up to see how well he did what he said he was supposed to do from 92 to 99. They drafted a quarterback in seven of the eight drafts of those years, even though they had Brett Favre. And they got guys like Detmer, Mark Brunel, Matt Hasselbeck, Aaron Brooks. All those guys became starters That's for their teams. Former, former Packers GM Ron Wolf, the de- father of Elliot Wolf, who was here for a little bit with the Browns. But Correct. Sort yes. of a godfather of, of NFL GMs. And like the mentor of John Dorsey, um, right. who was here as well. So so I've worked for him, and he, you know, he would point out, look, the best quarterback in the NFL was a sixth rounder. Uh, you got a fourth rounder over in Dallas, you know, there's Russell Wilson, there's Kirk Cousins, there's these guys who were not first round draft picks who have done very well in the league. And I think it's smart to keep investing. And I'm still not sure how I'm going to put a number on this one. I'm not sure where I fall yet, but I do know that this is something the Browns probably should have done by now instead of, uh, I mean, you could say they invested by paying Case Keenum a boatload of money to be a backup, but investing in a young guy that you develop and that you keep here, that's not some guy you, you know got off the waiver wire um, or, or signed as an undrafted free agent. Somebody you actually invested in with a pick and, and are going to keep for X number of years. That's something they should have been doing already. 
they have not and, drafted, and those, a, they have not drafted a quarterback since Mayfield, by the way. Mayfield in 18, the last three drafts did not take a quarterback. Go ahead, Dan. And, and those guardrails were Sashi and Paul DePodestas. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, I actually have a copy saved on my desktop just to kind of go back and reference every now and again. So I think we need to frame this though a little bit. And I actually want to talk about the bigger option at some point, not just the Eagles option. I do think we need to frame the Eagles situation with what the Browns did. The Eagles obviously came back with Carson Wentz and they drafted Jalen Hurts behind him. But then when it all kind of fell apart with Carson, they sort of went into rebuild mode. Uh, they, you know, they threw their last game of the season. They acquired a ton of draft picks. Um, they, they have a ton of draft picks coming up. And part of the plan was like, oh, are they going to see what happens this year and then maybe use all those assets to trade for a, a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers or, or somebody, you know, go get a big name quarterback. And I still, you know, I still don't know if they're completely sold on Jalen Hurts as the guy. Um, I, I don't know if the plan was for them to even make the playoffs. I, I looked it up. They have the lowest strength of victory of any team in the playoffs. So they certainly benefited from playing in the NFC East. So I, I don't know if they necessarily view Jalen Hurts as the guy for the next five to 10 years. So I, I think it's important to note that they were in a very different position than the Browns uh, right now. When, when they obviously when they drafted Jalen Hurts, they still kind of were going with Carson Wentz, but he was sort of a hedge against Carson Wentz, which I guess is what we're talking about. But I, I don't think the Browns are going to go into like asset acquisition mode if it doesn't work out with Baker Mayfield in this season. So, I mean, it's one of those things. Yes, you're right. I guess the Eagles did kind of rebuild. The Browns were not rebuilding. They're not in the playoffs. The Eagles were kind of rebuilding. That's true. They're That's in true. the playoffs and the Colts, tried to win right away by acquiring Carson Wentz. They're not in the playoffs. So whatever the Eagles thought they were doing, they're in the playoffs. But point right. taken about they were in a crappy division and they kind of got a little bit lucky. But uh, at, at the same time, if you make the playoffs, you make the playoffs. It doesn't matter how. Yeah, I mean, especially like in Cleveland, be like, I don't know. <laughs> they made the playoffs. So, um, I mean, the thing that – I think there are some similarities between the Browns and the Eagles. I mean, Howie Roseman is the guy – who drafted Jalen Hurts. He's also, he's one of Andrew Barry, Barry's mentors. Andrew Barry has said he thought Harry Roseman was the best GM in the NFL. That idea of quarterback acquisition, we often lump when you talk about analytics and the way front offices work. I think the Eagles and the Browns get lumped together a lot. The Eagles took Jalen Hurts at 53. I guess this Browns pick will be a number 45 overall, their second round pick where they'd have a chance to take this quarterback. So um, I do think just like investing in the position, right? That is, that is the pros, and I'll, I'll get into this a little bit later. I love this idea. I think I'm on an island here. This is, this is my plan. The cons, though. Mary Kay, you, you mentioned this. One of the things, sometimes it's like you, you can think second-round picks. You can't waste a second-round pick, and then you start going through a team's second-round history, and you're like, cool. I mean, better make sure you don't waste the, the Emmanuel Ogba pick. My <laughs> God, what would you do if you didn't? But then you look at the Browns, right? They're trying to win right now. Nick Chubb, second round pick, important. Greedy Williams, second round pick. Grant Delpit, second round pick. Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, second round pick. So to that point, it, now you have tangible of like, that is a dude. That's a dude. And if you're trying to win right now, you think you could, you probably could get somebody in the second round or the third round, wherever you might take this quarterback instead, who would really help you win right away in 2022, you hope. And, and I think Mary Kay, that might be right. When you're roster building, 
if you think if you think of this as a roll of the dice, this is pretty high to be rolling the dice when you really at a lot of positions can get a starter. And the Browns have proven that the last several years. Yeah, I mean, if you can land one of the best wide receivers in the draft, maybe, you know, someone that's a, a little bit of a, a dark horse there that uh, didn't get selected in the first round, uh, that would be a valuable pick there, I think. The other thing I think about trying to draft a quarterback in the second or the third round, you should have some track record of actually be able, being able to do that. Um, and with Ron Wolf and the Green Bay Packers, uh, they made it their mission to be able to uh, scout and draft good quarterbacks. And as Scott pointed out, uh, they landed some pretty good guys that went on to become starters. The Browns are sort of uh, new in terms of their personnel department, and they don't really have a track record yet of being able to find those second round quarterbacks and those third round quarterbacks. I mean, you can take a flyer on some and see if you can, uh, you know, become that type of an organization that, that can find these guys, because if you can draft and develop them, they become assets for you. If you can't use them yourself, you can obviously trade them uh, for draft picks or whatever. So, uh, so they do become, uh, you know, they do become currency for you but you have to be able to do it. And it's hard enough, like I said, to draft quarterbacks in the first round and get them right. I mean, believe me, I, I've been through a lot of first round uh, drafts with a lot of people and everybody is convinced that this is the right guy. I mean, John Dorsey was absolutely had no eyes for anybody else in 2018. He was convinced since October that ba Baker Mayfield was the best quarterback in that draft and nobody was going to convince him otherwise, no matter what you saw at the senior bowl or anywhere else. So I think it's very difficult to draft quarterbacks. And so I don't know these are just some things to think about, but what they haven't tried. I mean, to say the Browns, well, Andrew Barry has never tried this. We don't know what Andrew Barry is like drafting quarterbacks, right? So right. he might be great at it. He just hasn't really ever done it yet, but I do think I, so of the, the 32 NFL teams, the sort of primary starters, this even surprised me as someone who has advocated take a quarterback in the first round, take a quarterback in the first round. You guys want to guess by my figuring the, the primary starters for the 32 NFL teams this year, how many were first round draft picks? Anybody want to guess? guess Less team. than 10. <laughs> 25. Really? 20, like practically everybody. Yeah. And there's a couple weird ones, but then, so then it's like, well, who, who, who are you trying to get? Right. Who's the model of this works? Jalen Hurts, second round, Jimmy Garoppolo, second round, Russell Wilson, third round, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, fourth round. And then the other guys are like that. Ryan Fitzpatrick was supposed to be a starter. Right. But it is a ton of, it is as heavy first round, I think, as it has ever been, you know, and again, they're not all hits. Daniel Jones counts in that Daniel Jones is going to be, in the Daniel Jones matrix a year from now. Actually, he's not going to get to the matrix. He's going to be, he's going to be in the Daniel Jones standing on the side of the road with his thumb out looking for a job matrix. But you know, that's, that's where teams are. Um, but I, still... I think some of that, I was gonna say, I think some of that stats skewed though, because first rounders are going to get more opportunities than anybody. And those quarterbacks are going to get every opportunity to fail before a team moves on. So you're probably generally going to be in a situation like that where it's. They're not all good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're just supposed to be the starter. So, so that is sort of 
where they are, but I do think there is, there's the, the pro is like invest in the con is like maybe you're, and the Deshaun Kaiser, is anybody scarred by Deshaun Kaiser? Cause this sort of fits that. It was like, ah, I don't know, throw a second round pick at Deshaun Kaiser. And I was going through, and you can do this for every draft. You can find every bad pick before Tom Brady and everybody could have picked Tom Brady before the sixth round within like 20 picks after Deshaun Kaiser, Alvin Kamara got drafted. Cooper cup got drafted, right? It's and there are a lot of other terrible players got drafted. There was the one guy who I was dying for the Browns to pick OB Melifonwu or a safety. You guys remember that guy? I love that guy at the combine. He didn't do anything. It's like, Oh, they could have had him. Well, he was, he was as impactful as Sean Kaiser. A miss is, it was same kind of miss, but should that scar anybody? Is anybody like that was a second round roll of the dice that led to basically nothing. And that's the downside of maybe trying a second rounder. That's not a sure thing and might end up with nothing. Yeah, no, but I you remember who the quarterback was in 2016, right? I mean, they. I think people look at second rounders and they think about the guys who work. They think about Nick Chubb, and I know you mentioned some guys who didn't, but this team, like, they're drafting for depth. You can't draft – like they did not draft JOK with the assumption that he was going to come in and be a starter right away. That's why they had Anthony Walker. That's why they re-signed Malcolm Smith. Um, it's good for everybody that he did – develop into that and was able to take on that role, but you can't beyond first round picks, definitely high first round picks. I don't think you can assume that you're drafting a starter. You're drafting for depth and you, you know, use free agency to, to plug holes where starters would come in. So drafting a quarterback in the second round wouldn't, wouldn't scare me off. I don't think that would scare off Andrew Barry, even like you don't have to hit, you just have to have somebody that fits what you're trying to do, and then you develop them. And if you can have a situation where Baker Mayfield plays 2022 and quarterback X does not have to play, that's great. That hardly ever happens anymore. And having a guy who's you're assuming better than most quarterbacks in the draft because you took him that high and who doesn't have to go out there and get thrown to the wolves right away is, is a great place to be. I think they do value second round picks as starters, maybe not immediate starters all the time, but I think they do. I mean, Grant Delpit was drafted to start, mm-hmm. you know, Jeremiah Wusukormoa probably maybe they did think he needed some development, but they didn't bring him in to be their fourth linebacker. He was going to be a guy and he ascended pretty quickly in, into a starting role. So I, I think they view first and second round picks as guys who are going to come in and, and play Again, if you pick a guy in the 50s like they did at JOK and he needs to develop a little bit, sure. But I think when they draft these guys, they view them as starters within, if not year one, within the first two years. 100%. I agree with you, Dan, 100% on that. Starters come in round one and two, and you are looking for your second round pick to generally start right away. At least uh, that's how the Browns feel about it. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa was going to be a starter the minute he was ready to be a starter. He was actually viewed as a first-round pick for them, that they got a bargain in the second round. But they draft first and second rounders to be almost immediate starters. Now, that will change as this team gets better uh, because it'll be harder to crack the starting lineup. Uh, But for the most part, first and second round, you expect to come in and start for you. And then third rounders, you expect in your first year, uh, to come in and contribute right away in, uh, in some kind of a rotation. And in a perfect world, maybe they start in, from the third round and then so on and so forth. But one and two, those are your starting guys. 
But I think going back to your point, Doug, about like, I mean, you can talk yourself in circles about who passed on whom and all this stuff, right? right? Like the Browns picked Cody Kessler over Dak Prescott. Right. Like, but a million teams passed on Dak Prescott. You know, Lamar Jackson went, did he go 30? I don't remember the exact number. 32. 32. Yeah. yeah. So every team, including the Ravens, passed on Lamar Jackson before the Ravens took Lamar Jackson. So, you know, Tom Brady is a six-round pick. And like, well, guess what, Tom? The Patriots passed on you however many times before they finally picked you. So when you're talking about second-round guys like a Deshaun Kaiser or whatever, and, and you want to talk about, well, you picked this guy instead of that guy, there, there's a million cases where you just picked the wrong guy. But but taking a flyer on somebody, you know, just because Deshaun Kaiser didn't work, it shouldn't prevent you from taking a flyer on somebody if you think he might be the right guy. And I will say, I would not consider the, the guys who I think will be there in the second round here, I don't think are flyers. I, I don't think, I think this is actually an interesting quarterback draft. And, and I, like, I don't think a second round quarterback is a flyer. It's not as scary. Like Derek Carr, we're talking about Derek Carr. Now, Derek Carr was barely in the second round, but Derek Carr might be a good answer. He was a second round pick. And now, but once you get to the third round, and again, it's like, okay, if you don't want to go in the second round, third round, third round, are you kidding me? Third round of the draft. These are the recent third round picks for the Browns. Anthony Schwartz, Jordan Elliott, Jacob Phillips, Sione Taki Taki, Chad Thomas. Anybody there you can't live without? It's nope. like, oh, we can't try to drop the quarterback there. God forbid they didn't have Jordan Elliott. How would they function? So <laughs> that that if you don't want to go two, you can at least go three. I just don't like Five, six, seven. Now you're just throwing darts. Now you're just trying to see. Well, I don't know who. Maybe you know Tony Romo was undrafted. Maybe we'll take some guy from Division Three who used to, whatever. It's like uh, that's that's a flyer to me. This I think I would rather them be a little more uh, precise than taking a flyer. All right, quick break. We will come back. Start throwing out some names. Start talking about some possibilities, and then we'll do our grading. Do we like it or not? Next on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. So uh, nobody's expecting us to be college quarterback experts right now. The season's barely over. You guys still haven't slept, right? I mean, my gosh, it's like you're doing the season just ended. You know, you're, you're doing the, the final wrapping up the year. This is the part you get to like that kind of end of January, beginning of February, and everybody gets to maybe sleep in a couple of days. Mary Kay went to the dentist. That was like part of that was an exciting thing. You get you can't go to the dentist <laughs> during the season, right, Mary Kay? Because what if something happens? while you're in the dental chair and you have to report on it, right? Do you risk going to the dentist during a football season? Well, it is so funny that you should bring that up, Doug, because some of the people on this podcast know my history of being in the dentist chair. Dan, you probably know this. Every single time I was in the dentist chair, you know, just going for my, you know, cleaning or whatever the case may be, trying to keep up with health maintenance, um, Josh Gordon would invariably get reinstated by the NFL. And there have been times when I had to bolt out of the dental dentist chair right in the middle, like still instruments, you know, in, in my mouth and just leave the dentist chair and write about, you know, because sometimes I would get a tip that he was getting reinstated. So like I had to get that up quickly. And so I was thinking this morning as I was going to my very early 8 a.m. dentist appointment, I brought my computer with me because I bring it everywhere. Even when I sometimes go on my little walk jog type thing. I have got my computer on my back. No, that's not true. That is true. You can ask anybody that lives in Rocky River. What would you do if something happened? Would you just like sit on the sidewalk and write something? Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. I love it. I I know. I'm sorry. You 
are a maniac. <laughs> it's what you have to do. Wow. But, um, I know. But but anyway, so as I was leaving for the dentist's office this morning, I had my computer with me. I was thinking, well, I know Josh Gordon's not going to get reinstated this morning, but I wonder what is going to happen this morning. So fortunately, nothing did. But yes, you have to go to the dentist usually in the offseason, but you're never safe even in the offseason. That's why I don't work out because I don't want to have to take my computer with me. So <laughs> if I'm just lying on my couch. My computer is like right over there. If something happens, I'll be OK. Well, I right, just have right. a little light, you know, like one of those uh, drawstring bag type things. It's very light and, you know, it doesn't bang too, too much against my back. It's, it's not bad. It works. Dan, you should try it on your run. I, I will say one of the, I, I don't carry a computer with me on, on my run, although I have had my moments where it's been like I've had to stop and work in weird places. But <laughs> it, there was a stretch there where like every time I would go for a run, it wouldn't matter what time of day. Like I could have gone for a run at like one in the morning. It was going to be like something happened. It was like a guarantee. So if like we were just waiting for something to happen, I could like will it into existence just by yep. like, yeah, I'm going to go for a run. Okay, <laughs> I, have, I have a new plan for you. Instead of taking your computer everywhere with you. Just take your phone. And if something happens, just call Ashley and tell her to do it. There we go. And that's the new solution. You yeah, the Ashley it. solves it solution. <laughs> See, it works, on the, works on the podcast, works in Mary Kay's life. Okay, Perfect. so we have some names. I Just you're looking at draft boards. There seems to be to me sort of a consensus among draft experts early on. And one of the reasons I like this is because I think this draft fits the idea of the Browns taking a quarterback in the second round because it's not great at the top, but who cares? Right. Good luck to whatever Detroit Detroit's dying, <laughs> dying, dying to take a quarterback. They're going to pick number two. They're probably gonna have to take Aiden Hutchinson because he played at Michigan and get a defensive end and wait to replace Jared Goff like another year. Cause there's no quarterback worth taking that high, but that's not the Browns problem. Seems like Kenny Pickett from Pitt, who Dan has mentioned a couple of times, and Matt Corral from Old Miss are the guys who generally are viewed as consensus first-round picks. So just for like, forget about them for the Browns. That's not what I'm talking about. If one of them, if the Browns fall in love with one of those guys and somehow that one of them falls to 13, I don't know, whatever. But that's not what I'm thinking about. But I do think it's possible. Well, no, there's four guys who are the next tier, I think, that you'll see some of these names in the first round, and sometimes you'll see them in the second round. But at least some of these, a couple of these four are going to be available when the Browns would pick in the second round. And the reason that I'm intrigued by all this is because they're all different types of quarterbacks, and I can see the Browns liking different ones for different reasons. We'll run through them quick. Malik Willis from Liberty, dual threat guy. Started off his career at Auburn, transferred to Liberty, which is the level of competition isn't quite the same there. Big upside, might take a little longer to develop because of the level of competition. But like, you know, Josh Allen and Carson Wentz didn't have great competition in college either. So like for an upside swing, Malik Willis, I don't know if he'll be there, but like I'm all in on that kind of upside swing. Desmond Ritter, Cincinnati, been there forever. Low recruit, led Cincinnati to the playoff. 6'4", smooth, leader, poised can run a little bit like kind of like just like a dude I think that you could trust and is it has good size and has a good package of skills I like Desmond Ritter Sam Howell most like Baker had a rough year a little bit at North Carolina I picked him to win the Heisman before the year I thought he might North Carolina might be a dark horse for the playoff didn't have a great year ran a lot this year 
about Baker's size, sort of like in a rhythm passing offense, the closest to Baker, I think a little more athletic than Baker. You might catch a guy whose talent ceiling is a little higher than he showed in his last year in college. And if he falls to where the Browns would pick in round two, I'd be very interested in the last guy's Carson Strong from Nevada. 6'4", big arm, different pocket passer, kind of a different thing than Baker. So you kind of have like a guy who's like Baker. You have a dual threat guy. You have a big arm guy. Scott, that's why I'm interested because it's not just theoretical and the general idea. I can come up with names. One of those four, I think at least two of those four that I mentioned will be there when the Browns pick at 45. And I think any of them are not flyers as potential good starters in the NFL. Not sure things, but I think it could be a time for the Browns to try it. And I think the draft fits it. I'm not asking you guys to say, well, I've watched Malik Willis tape and blah, blah, blah. But the fact that there is that you can drop some names, does that make it any more or less interesting, Scott? What about the guy in the national championship game who's making all those big throws? Is he, is he available? I, this is how much I watch college football this year. I probably count well, the number of Ohio you, state games on one finger. Why? And, so uh, I've, I have done a, uh, uh, unnecessarily mean overwrought impression of Stetson Bennett for two years for no reason on Buckeye talk. I just start talking. I just decided that it was ridiculous that Georgia had a walk on quarterback and he won the national championship. And Scott is making me talk about Stetson Bennett. If they, if they draft Stetson Bennett in the sixth round, I have to resign. I'm not like promising. (laughs) It's not like if they do, how dare they, they quit. It's just like, I've embarrassed myself too far. I can't mm-hmm. be around him because he won a national championship, but I, I thought it would never happen. So, no, not Stetson Bennett, Scott. I mean, look, I'm, I'm all for drafting a quarterback in the second round. Um, and just to clarify, I'm not saying that, uh, that JOK was not seen as somebody who would start this year. You don't – he didn't have to be a starter is the point I was trying to make. Um, Jedrick Wills had to be a starter. But other than that, you're drafting for depth. And I think you look at the quarterback situation the same way, and that would be investing in it. And I liked the idea of letting Baker play out his fifth-year option. And I'm starting to think I like this even more because then, again, you have a guy who could potentially not get thrown into the fire if things work out right. And whether you transition to him or not, whether you need another guy to come in and be a, a bridge for another year, at least you've, again, you've invested in that guy and you've taken a guy relatively high and, and you developed him. Did the names change anybody, uh, not change even your opinion, but how did it influence your opinion? If, if, if you would all believe my presentation that there might be four second, maybe second round guys who I think actually have a chance to be something. Well, one thing that I think that uh, has changed the evaluation of college quarterbacks in the last couple of years is that the college game has filtered up into the NFL. So you are no longer trying to make this, you know, apples to oranges comparison. It's just not going to translate whatsoever. Generally now, uh, if, if you see a quarterback doing something in college that you really like, you can make that happen in the NFL or you're already making that happen in the NFL. So I think it's easier now uh, to project your guy into what it's going to look like. And I just have to bring something up really super quick about Derek Carr. Derek Carr was only a second round pick because the Browns absolutely blew it on Derek Carr in the first round and drafted Johnny Manziel instead of him. 
And that was just a colossal mistake. They should have drafted Derek Carr there. It was pretty obvious. And, uh, and, and they really blew it with that pick. True. But again, sometimes, and the, the Raiders capitalized on teams in front of them blowing it. And again, Carr was high in the second round. But teams are – sometimes I think we can, it can feel like when you look at the history of the NFL that the Browns are the only dumb team who, who, who makes ridiculous picks. Teams make ridiculous picks all the time. Mm-hmm. So there could be a thing where it's like, what? I thought this team needed a quarterback, and they took a, they took a center – at number 12, you know what I mean? All of a sudden, here comes Malik Willis. All of a sudden, here comes Sam Howell. Here comes the guy that never should have gotten to you, which I just think, again, 45, you might be poised to catch a guy who has first-round talent who should never have gotten to you. But mm-hmm. there were some some other dumb moves contributed to his availability. Dan, right, anything? Like, anything? Yeah, I mean, Blake, Blake Bortles went, what, number three that year? Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, Um so I, I think what makes this discussion hard is there's two things. One is what does Kevin Stefanski like in a quarterback? Do we know the actual answer to that question? Like, does he want a guy who's six, three, two twenty? I think we have an idea like, right. He wants an, he, he wants probably wants somebody who's accurate. You probably want somebody who doesn't turn the football over, not real high risk does want the ability to get the ball down the field. I think, even though we didn't see that a lot this year, I do think that's a part of this offense is, is pushing the ball down the field. So, you know, when I look at a guy like a Malik Willis, and again, like you said, Doug, I, I haven't watched film on these guys. I haven't watched a ton of all of these quarterbacks. Um, you know, the, the guys I've watched the most are guys that aren't even in the draft this year. They're going to be the guys who are in the draft next year. So, you know, but when you look at what PFF has to say about Malik Willis, you know, they talk about how he's a roller coaster from game to game. He amassed 19 turnover worthy plays, but had, you know, they, what they call big time throws, 36 big time throws. Is Kevin Stefanski going to want a guy that is, that has a penchant for taking risks like that? You know, how, how much are they going to adjust this offense? You know, is Kevin Stefanski a guy that's going to draft? I mean, let's sit, let's put him in Baltimore in 2018. Is he going to bring in a guy like Lamar Jackson and re completely redo his offense to fit that? Or is he going to go a different direction of bringing a quarterback to fit his offense? So I, I think that makes this discussion a little more difficult because I don't know if we completely know what Kevin Stefanski wants and also what he's willing to do. If there's a guy that doesn't fit what he wants, if, if that makes sense. It sounds a little bit, Dan, like you're saying that Kevin Stefanski might not want his quarterback to be too talented because, <laughs> you know, you got to focus on that seven yard pass to the tight end. And if you're going to like <laughs> scramble and make a play out of structure for 30 yards, that wasn't the plan. I will say this again, I'm at a different place than I was in 2018 because I'm, I'm interested in an upside swing. I think Malik Willis sounds a lot like Josh Allen. And I wanted nothing to do with Josh Allen. Mary Kay, (laughs) trigger word. I know you and I will have the Josh (laughs) Allen debate. And you can say that you were right and that I was wrong. But that's, but I want to do it now because they're not desperate. They don't have to start the guy right away. They're not committing the franchise to him. But what if, what if that's what Malik Willis is? He's Josh Allen. I'll take a shot at the next Josh Allen in the second round. 
for a team that has some other things to work. Now, again, Malik Willis is probably going to go like 16 and won't get anywhere near the Browns. So he's the guy I'm most interested in. But again, Ritter, Howell, Strong in the same realm. Go ahead, Mary Kay. Well, here, here's something to think about as, as you think about drafting quarterbacks over the next few years. Uh, schemes and things like that are cyclical, right? So uh, the Kyle Shanahan, Kevin Stefanski, Gary Kubiak, Mike Shanahan offense has been in vogue for many years. And defenses hadn't really necessarily caught up to it that much. But defenses are starting to catch up to it now. And one of the ways in which they're doing that is uh, they are preventing or trying to prevent uh, just that, you know, play action rollout. You know, they're, they're committing a guy, they're, they're doing some things defensively uh, to try to minimize that. They're also doing a better job on IDing what you're going to do out of your play action. Uh, defenses are, you know, they, they're, they're reading the keys better and they're sort of figuring things out. So my point with this is when Kyle Shanahan had the opportunity to draft a more sort of classic drop back passer in Mac Jones, he went with Trey Lance. So it seems to me like Kyle Shanahan is, is saying we need to evolve and move forward and, and try to, uh, join the party of the dual threat quarterback that's going on in the, in the NFL right now. And that that's what, that's what everybody wants at the moment. I mean, you've got obviously Patrick and Josh Allen and Lamar and Trey. And I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And so I actually do think, uh, you know, that there is a, a sea change going on and that that has to be taken into account because where's Jared Goff right now? Right. Like Sean McVay kind of ushered did usher him out and Kyle Shanahan, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo kind of, you know, now Jimmy's had a nice season, got them to the playoffs and he's playing well. Uh, but he was transitioning over to Trey Lance. And so you, you just have to wonder, are the Browns going to when they pull this whole thing apart in the offseason, are they going to look at this and think, you know, we have to get with the program and we have to move more towards uh, the dual threat passer. So I think that's going to be effective. I do think generally the four guys that I'm talking about Ritter and strong are both taller than Baker mm-hmm. Willis and Howell both move better than Baker. And so it's, again, you're, you're finding a trait that is a little different than the guy you have. And I think that mm-hmm. would be important too. like the idea of like, let's take a guy who's just like Baker. Well, you have Baker and Baker still might be good, right? I mean, Baker might be your guy. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm less interested in the next Baker than maybe see something different, even if it doesn't theoretically fit what you think you want in a quarterback. It's like, take a swing. It's only a second round pick. See what happens. Can we take this guy's skill set and fit it into what we want to do, but also expand how we think about it to emphasize his strengths. And real, very briefly, Kevin Stefanski, and I've, we've talked about this many, many times before, but we sometimes pigeonhole him or, or paint him into a corner of being a certain way. We've done that with Andrew Barry, too. And these guys are growth mindset people. They're not we're stuck in our ways kind of people. These are very forward thinking guys. I mean, really, like they're brilliant. So um, 
So to think that Kevin Stefanski is always going to be locked into the Gary Kubiak offense. I mean, he only spent one year with Gary Kubiak and it worked for him. And he had to bring it here because time was of the essence. He didn't have the opportunity to reinvent the wheel at that time, but he's had so many influences in his career, including like a Norv Turner who, who runs the, the number system, you know, delineated from Don Coriel. So this is not somebody who is just, completely set in his ways. And like Kyle Shanahan, if it's time uh, to transition and to, to move forward and completely change up what you've done, even though your father is the architect of the system that you're running right now, Kyle will do it and Kevin Stefanski will do it. So if he's, if they see a quarterback that they like, that is an amazing dual threat passer that has size and speed and mobility and all these kind of things, you know, like so many that are out there right now, uh, I think that they would completely adjust the offense to the player. Okay. Time to say what we think of this plan. Wait, One, wait, wait, wait. What? No. Can, yeah, Dan wants to say something. Go ahead. Sorry. Should we at least discuss the possibility of like, and I know I've thrown this out before, the possibility of like taking a guy and should we discuss the Mac Jones option? At least just give option. it a few. Yeah, at okay. least give it a few minutes. Yeah. So so, yeah, yeah I think the Mac, so Jones, the Mac Jones went 15 last year. The Browns picked 13. Yeah. Right. The Mac Jones option is, mm-hmm. and, and again, the Patriots in a different scenario, right? They needed a quarterback. They didn't have one. You know, the Cam Newton experiment didn't work. But they identified a guy who fit what they wanted to do. They kind of, I think they kind of knew that. I think they were going to take any quarterback that fell to him, but it ended up being Mac Jones. But they identified the guy. They put him into their system. And here they are in the playoffs. So Mac isn't perfect. And, you know, he certainly had his warts. He looked like a rookie at times. But is there a scenario where the Browns go through this process and what's thought to be a weak draft class, but they go through this process and they identify a guy, whether it's Kenny Pickett or, you know, I don't, I don't know, whoever, Carson Strong or somebody like that. I think it's got to be, if it's going to be in the first round, it would be either Kenny Pickett or Matt Corral. Okay. So they look at that guy and they say, we can drop him in week one. He can run our offense. He's going to be a rookie. He's going to make those rookie mistakes, but we can win with this guy as our quarterback. And that's the solution. It's not Baker and this guy. It's this guy. Mm-hmm. Is, is that realistic? And like I said, I, I mean, Diana, we're going to talk about your option and we probably should stay focused on that, but I do think it's worth at least seeing what people think of that. Well, I mean, that's well, that's, that's a borderline nuclear option because yeah. I mean, it's it is completely different than Mac Jones because the Patriots didn't have a quarterback, so the Patriots were transitioning from Tom Brady. They had the one year stopgap of Cam Newton, like they knew it. What well, that wasn't it. They were looking for a long term quarterback. For the Browns to do that, I don't, I don't know what it would look like. Would it be just like you know what we think that like. Kenny Pickett is the third best player in this draft. And somehow he fell to 13 and we're going to take it. Right. Is that what you're talking about, Dan? Or is yeah. it more proactive than that of like, you know what? We think Kenny Pickett is going to be one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. We're going to try to get him. I, I mean, I suppose it could be that, but I'm thinking of it more like, oh, this guy's going to be there. We can bring him in. He can run our offense and do exactly what we want him to do. Maybe at a higher level than, than Baker did last year. He can run our offense. We get him for four years at a rookie rate, right? So we can continue to just stack things around him. And since that franchise guy isn't out there right now, maybe, you know, maybe you can't get Aaron, you know, you can't get one of those star quarterbacks. Let's just go this route. 
and keep just building around a guy over the duration of his rookie contract until something better comes along. And maybe he ends up being that guy who's better. Well, one of the things is, I mean, hopefully the Browns hope that they're never bad enough in the next 10 years to get a top 10 quarterback, which is why I wanted the tank to begin with. It's like, well, it's like, oh, well, how are we going to get Trevor Lawrence? Like you're not because you're going to be competitive. You're not going to get that. So if you're going to get a guy like that, you're going to have to get him in the middle of the first round or somewhere other than the top 10, because you shouldn't be picking in the top 10. But Scott, I know there is at least there, I've seen floated like the analytics theory of, we all talk about, and I think this was maybe a stronger discussion a couple of years ago of like, it's so important. You try to win on the rookie contract for a quarterback, right? You get that five-year window, you draft him, you get him for cheap. If he's good, use the extra salary cap money, win now with that guy. So if that's the best plan, just do that for eternity. Never sign a quarterback to a, to an extension. Just recycle rookie. You know, you get a five-year window and then you move on. That Dan, that's what you would be talking about here. That like, why would we even want a forty million dollar a year quarterback unless you find Patrick Mahomes? Until you find Patrick Mahomes, figure you can get somebody pretty good and he'll be pretty cheap and build up the rest of the team. Is that not a theory, Scott? It's a theory. <laughs> Nobody's uh, done it. Yet. I wouldn't like, but you also have, I mean, if you're looking at it from an analytics standpoint, you also have quarterback like is double the impact on a team as any other position. And you're talking about number one, making sure you get a guy who you can get enough out of every time you do that. And number two, just simply entrusting your team to a rookie repeatedly. I don't, that would be pretty extreme. I don't know that anybody would actually try that. And how long would it be before you uh, drafted someone who's like, no, I don't want to go there. Cause I know that uh, I'm not their long-term answer. I mean, I look at Mac Jones and I think the Patriots are a team that had a lot of equity built up and could do that. I don't know if the Browns are in that situation. Um, the Steelers were kind of in that situation when they got Roethlisberger coward been there for a long time. He came in and they won like what their first dozen games that year with him at quarterback uh, with you know a lot of talent around him. I just don't know if the Browns are in that position to do that and suffer the consequences if it doesn't hit right away. I mean, if, if it hadn't worked out with Mac Jones, do we really think Bill Belichick's taking a hit on that? Probably not. Um, I'm sure he would get another opportunity. I don't, I don't know if Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry would be so lucky. You know, when I look at the the Mac Jones situation, I'm sure that uh, Bill Belichick was absolutely jumping for joy. Kyle Shanahan waffled and went back and forth and back and forth. Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Mac Jones. And it was a difficult decision, really difficult decision, two different kinds of quarterbacks. Um, but my theory on the uh, Mac Jones and Patriots, uh, Nick Saban and Bill Belichick are as close as any two coaches have ever been in college or pros or anywhere. I mean, they are very tight. And I think that Bill Belichick knew exactly what Mac Jones was all about. And I think that actually there were, he was probably surprised that Kyle Shanahan opted for Trey Lance after Mac Jones with what he knew, the inside Intel he had and what he was seeing. So I, I think they couldn't wait to make that pick. And I, and I think that he just knew you know, maybe more than a lot of other teams did. And if you have that kind of a sleeper guy uh, that you can get your hands on and you, you have somebody like that, that, uh, you know, that maybe other people just aren't seeing what you're, you're seeing, you have to be really good at quarterback eval. 
and that's why uh, the Chiefs were really good at quarterback eval the year that they picked Patrick Mahomes. Like you had to know what you were looking at that year. You had to really, really be able to project him into your offense and or project him into what you could make him into being. So if you can find a guy like that, that you think that you can turn into a quality starter and you can get him in the, at 13, then by all means, grab him there and do whatever you can. Because once again, I don't think the bar is set real high right now for quarterback play on the Cleveland Browns football team. So two things real quick. I did a lot of interviews in New England before the draft. A lot of people up there thought Justin Fields was going to be the guy who was going to get to the Patriots for 15. So, I mean, they took who fell to them. They thought my, maybe it would be Mac Jones. It easily could have been Justin Fields, who's a completely different quarterback than Mac Jones. The second thing is, I'm not even sure if Mac Jones is good. I mean, honestly, like, like that's not yeah. like Mac Jones was put into whoever said it, like the Patriots are the Patriots. So they don't have Jamar Chase or they don't necessarily have all the, but they have a system. They have a structure. They have leadership. Like they dropped the guy in and they went, they've, he looked awesome against the Browns that day. Right. And he's had good games. They've propped him up a little bit. And like in a world where we're like, we're talking about, Oh, you like the new style of quarterback, Mac Jones. is mm-hmm. Mac, Mac Jones has been so like the idea, like I wouldn't, necessarily want the Browns to bank their future on the actual Mac Jones. The idea of like, Hey, maybe there's a guy at 13 that you like that I think is interesting. Don't get back. Don't trade for Mac Jones. We have to do a sixth option. (laughs) Should the Browns trade for Mac Jones? Well, while we're doing this, why not? The the thought occurred to me, uh, John Dorsey loved Baker Mayfield, right? Doesn't this open up some possibilities? We need a whole podcast on Detroit. We need a whole podcast just on that. I think the key is just find some dude who had an unflattering shirtless photo taken of him uh, after he, after he finishes senior year in college and you're going to hit, it'll be the guy. (laughs) Right. Yeah. The golf Mayfield trade is not one that we have uh, speculated enough about. So we can throw that out there. (laughs) All right. We're going to give our rankings on what we think of this idea next on the orange about talk podcast. All right, one through 10. One is you hate it. 10 is you love it. The idea, uh, if you want to rank it on like, just maybe take the first round thing or whatever, I'm real, I do think they're going to draft a quarterback. But so it's not really like, ah, seventh round, I don't know. Like take a quarterback high enough that you're expending draft capital that you could use to help your team elsewhere, but you're dedicating it to the quarterback position instead. I would say first three rounds. That I think is what we're talking about here. Scott, we'll start with you. One through 10, where are you? You know, I said letting Baker play out the fifth year was number was seven. I'm going to go eight on this because I do think they need to invest in quarterback. I do think they need to do it relatively high. It doesn't have to be first round, but um, they need to, to do that. And really, like I said, they should have done it last year. You can't look at who they might have passed up. I don't care who you draft and what round. There's always going to be somebody after that pick that, is going to look great. Um, investing in quarterbacks important. It's the most position on, important position on the team. So I'm I'm giving this an eight. Uh, I think I said, yeah, it's okay. it's got to be higher than just letting Baker play out. So yeah, let's go eight. All right, Dan. Okay, I'm going to give you two numbers, and this is more about the the process than the than the guys they might bring. So. I am more interested in the option I threw out. I'm not saying it's necessarily the right thing to do. 
because I just don't know if any of these guys are that guy. I'm more interested in the Mac Jones option than I am the pick a guy behind Baker option because I, I just want an answer. I, I think this team can't waffle and I feel like bringing in Baker and going second round guy it, or third round guy is just waffling. And it's like, eh, I don't know if we have any quarterbacks in the building right now. So I would give that option like a three. I just don't like it. If they picked a guy at 13 and we're like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to ride with this guy. We think he can run the offense. We think he can do what we need him to do. It's a risk, but I would almost endorse that more than I would the other option because then at least you're giving yourself an answer. So I would give that like, like I'm not super bullish on that. I would give that like a six. All right. I'm going to average your two answers for your final grade. because <laughs> um, the, the, the bigger point here is I just, I don't want them to waffle. And if they're going to do that, I'd rather them just go get up, but do the Ryan Tannehill option. What about saying Baker's the guy and, and saying, this is a guy that we want to develop to be the guy later. Is that waffling? I think it is because I think I just think you've got to make somewhat of a commitment to I don't know I think you have to make a commitment to someone somehow, um, and, and I just don't love the options where you're kind of saying yeah we're going to run it back with Baker and see what happens. Uh, those just make me more nervous. Ashley, I think I'm going to go right at a five. Like I'm not super down on this idea, but I'm not as enthusiastic about it as I was the Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston model, bring in a veteran behind Baker. And that's because we've talked so much about the fact that this team is built to win now. So kind of along those lines of what Dan was saying, if you take a guy in the second round who you think has some upside, but it might take some time to develop him. Like, I'm not really sure that that helps you. What wouldn't help you if Baker Mayfield comes back and either still is not fully healed from the myriad of injuries he had this year or still has the processing issues or they're worse or, or something like that. But I do think at the same time, like there needs to be a concerted effort to develop the quarterback position that they haven't, you know, gone after in the last few years. So I'm not willing to go below a five for it, but I'm also just not willing to go above a five. It's right in the middle for me. All right. This is my thing. I'm a nine because I think it can work in multiple ways. I think it's investing in the quarterback position. I think if Baker is great in year five and then goes on, now you're developing a backup quarterback and you're investing in the position. If Baker is not the guy, you're getting to look at this whole this guy for a whole year, right? You try to get him ready. If you would have to take over in the middle of the year, like Jalen Hurts took over late in that year, you're trying to get the guy ready. But if not, you're trying to get an option for when Baker's gone, if he doesn't work out this year but I like it because it's the biggest upside swing while maintaining some continuity because the, the veteran option of like, well, you know, Teddy Bridgewater or Mitch Trubisky, it's like, you kind of know what those guys are already. You might hit on this guy. This guy might be Russell Wilson. And I know you can always say that. And every sixth rounder might be Tom Brady. Every third rounder might be Russell Wilson. But I just think I, and I like the specifics of it. The four names that I talked about, I think they're all interesting. I think there be, could be a specific guy here who's different than Baker, a little more, more traits in him. And I think it could work in multiple ways. And I think like Deshaun Kaiser, if you want to say fly second round as a flyer, like they took a flyer on Deshaun Kaiser and then threw him in and we're like, here, go be the quarterback. And it was like, what is happening? Like that one be Baker's here. 
you wouldn't be taking this guy and having this guy in camp. You're like, oh my God, I think I might have to start this year. But you'd be starting to get him ready if you maybe needed to go to him in the middle of year one, if you maybe needed to go to him in 2023. But this is the one to me that has the best upside too. Maybe Malik Willis or Carson Strong or Desmond Ritter or Sam Howell is going to turn out to be a guy. And I'm okay taking a swing. And if it doesn't work, you'll live. It's a second round pick. You'll live. It's Emmanuel Ogba. It's fine. Sometimes you miss on second round picks. So I, I really, really like this one. Mary Kay. Well, I'm more in the Dan camp where I don't like the idea of trying to find a guy in the second or third round. And I, I don't have these numbers in front of me, but I would be very curious to know, uh, you know, how many second round quarterbacks over and third round quarterbacks over the last, whatever, 10, 15 years have gone on to become quality starters for you. I think that, um, you know, it would, it would, that would be an interesting statistic. It it would Uh, be low because those guys don't get the kind of opportunities that the first round quarterbacks get. So there's that. Yeah. Well, that's a great point. Um, But I mean, you would have to think that somewhere along the line, if you're good enough, because there's some teams that just really need uh, quarterbacks that, that that cream would rise to the top and somehow you would find your way into some playing time. And, and I could be wrong about that, but I would think that somehow, some way, even if you were picked in the second or third round and you're really, really good, you're going to find your way uh, into a starting job somehow. Um, so I would be curious to know about some of that. And then in terms of the first round guy, if this were a year where there, where there was so much buzz about the first round quarterbacks and there were a bunch of really, really good ones and nobody could figure out who was the number one and who was the number two. And everybody had, you know, you like this guy and this team like that guy. And uh, if it was just a quarterback year, I would be all for drafting a quarterback in the first round, because with the financial situation now in terms of the draft and your rookie quarterbacks, as we have discussed on this podcast already, you're not making a huge financial commitment, even if it's the first rounder. You can you can blow the first rounder because you can go out and trade for a player uh, or you can sign one in free agency to make up for a whiff in the first round anymore. It's not so catastrophic. You're willing to whiff in the first round, but you don't want to whiff in the second round. What I don't want to do is take a flyer on, uh, you know, you like, oh, maybe, maybe. Flyer. It's not a flyer. But okay, what I'm, what I'm saying is I... I would be for drafting a really good quarterback that you really think is going to be amazing in the first round and can be a starter for you for the next four years. I would be for that. Um, I don't think many of them come out of the second round. And like I said, Scott makes a great point. It's because they don't probably because they don't get a chance. And I did make the point earlier that, um, that there it's, it's easier now to project a college quarterback into the NFL because of the way that systems are, are run now. Uh, but I, I just don't, I don't know, second and third round for a quarterback doesn't, doesn't do a whole lot for me. I think you're, it's an outlier if you're going to end up with the, with the Russell Wilson's of the world. So if, if it were a quarterback year, I'd go way higher in round one, but because it's not a quarterback year, I'm going to go 5.5. 5.5. But see, I actually think it makes more sense. Would you rather take, the fifth quarterback at number 13 or the second quarterback at number 13, like they're not in the top 10. So the talent of the guy that would get to the Browns, I don't know that it matters that there's not somebody worth taking overall number one. And I actually almost think that it could almost benefit the Browns. But the other thing is you guys have to factor in the opportunity cost. If you take a quarterback in the first round, you're not getting Garrett Wilson or you're not getting Drake London. 
or you're not getting Traylon Burks. Like you're not getting the number one receiver this team needs. And you can say, well, just take that guy in the second. Well, there's a drop off there too. So I would rather get the number one receiver who's going to make any quarterback here better and then try the quarterback in round two, then take the quarterback in round one. And then now you're still searching for answers for um, options of who he's going to throw to. So, well, I think I'm more or less thinking of more of the, the Mac Wilson thing where a guy drops to you in that, Mac Jones. That, we, can I mean, we stop that, saying his name? He's <laughs> not that good. Well, we, don't, we don't know yet. We don't know that. We don't know that yet. He but, lit up the Browns in like the worst game the Browns played this year. I'm just saying he was worth taking a chance on in the first round at that spot. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Because once again, as we said, you have not just paid him $70 million guaranteed like you had to with Sam Bradford back in the day. You can take a chance on a court. It's worth taking a chance on a quarterback and failing. I would rather do that than fail on any other position in the first round. And I, I agree with that in a world where the Browns like have not drafted a quarterback high ever, right? When they were trapped in every quarterback at number 22 in the first round, all I wanted them to do is take a quarterback in the top five, in the top 10, just take a quarterback and commit to him. But they're doing that. They've done that. They just did that. So I think that changes the math, at least in my mind, a little bit. That they tried the one thing. Now I'm more open to trying the other thing. Go ahead, Scott. I, I got a question. Was 2018 a quarterback year? I think yes. we all assumed oh, it was, sure. right? Yes, for yes, sure. yes, sure. it was. For sure. Right. And yet here we are talking about Baker Mayfield being a maybe. And who are the yeses in that group? No, they went two, two and a half for five. Two guys? Two and a half yeah. for five. Yeah, two and a half for right. five. That's pretty, that, those are pretty good odds for for a, a quarterback year. I mean, to have, right. uh, to have, but a, we're talking NFL... about two guys. Yeah. So I don't, I mean, I don't know if you can really look at any particular year and say it is a quarterback year. It isn't a quarterback year until those guys are actually playing on teams and producing or not producing um, because all the starters, everybody thought they were getting in 2018 certainly didn't, didn't turn out that way. All those guys that got drafted really high, it didn't turn out that way. And, um, I don't know. I am not a draft expert, but <laughs> I think looking at that draft and everybody talked about how great of a quarterback year it was. And the fact that there are two guys on there who are probably getting long-term extensions. We're assuming Jackson will. Um, and we're talking about the third guy here and not really knowing. To, to Scott's point, there's only one thing that matters. You, you get your guy. That's the only thing that matters in a quarterback class. You get your guy. And when we talk about those quarterback years, right? 2017 was like, oh, I don't know about this class. I mean, the Browns, the Browns took Miles Garrett number one. That's mm-hmm. they, they took it. And Miles Garrett is a great, he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. Like that is, that was not the wrong pick. But also in that class, I mean, the Buffalo traded the Patrick Mahomes pick. You think Buffalo, as great as Josh Allen is, you think Buffalo wouldn't love having Patrick Mahomes right now? Like they traded and the Browns traded the Deshaun Watson pick. And those are two top five quarterbacks. Obviously mm-hmm. Watson is more complicated now. And that was not a strong class. Now I'm not saying that there's a Patrick Mahomes or a Deshaun Watson. I'm just saying it's about getting your guy. The chargers got Justin Herbert after mm-hmm. Joe Burrow went number one. I'm not saying Burrow was the wrong pick. Tua went number five or whatever it was, whatever that order was. Right. And the Chargers get Justin Herbert, and he may end up being, when all is said and done, the best guy in that class. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's about getting your guy. If, if you find your guy, that's all that matters. I, so it's, it's hard to judge these classes. It really I think is. Now, that's maybe, this is the Geno, maybe this is the Geno Smith year. 
I don't know. That's true in the top 10. It's about getting your guy. But again, the Patriots would have taken Justin Fields. They would have taken whatever quarterback fell to them. If the Niners took Mac Jones, they would have taken Trey Lance. They needed a quarterback. The Patriots had no quarterback. And it was like a five quarterback draft. So they're going to take whoever fell. So we can act like they're geniuses for targeting Mac Jones, or we could just say, well, if the Jets had taken Mac Jones and the Patriots would have taken Zach Wilson, you know, like it's at, at 13. I mean, I guess it's, it is, it's one of those things in the top five of the top 10, you go get your guy. Anyway, quarterback is uncertain to some degree, no matter what. And it's uncertain until you settle it. And the reason we're having this entire series is because the Browns took a quarterback number one overall in 2018. And here we are in year five and they haven't signed it. And that means it's unsettled. And until it's settled, this is where you live. We'll come back next. What if they did sign Baker Mayfield to an extension? What the heck? Render the series moot. <laughs> sign him. They're going to sign maybe in five days. You know what? Just sign him. Good guy. Chip on his shoulder. Plays hard. Had good stretches. Boom. Extension. What about that idea? That'll be next. For now, thanks, you guys, for listening to this edition of the Mayfield Metrics on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. For Scott, Dan, Mary Kay, and Ashley, I'm Doug. And that was the Orange and Brown Talk podcast.